In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, why do we eulogize people? Why do we give a speech at the funeral of somebody after they pass away about their lives, about the, how much they've affected the lives of the people around them, about their achievements, their talents, these kinds of things that they did in their life? Why do we eulogize people at all? Because there's something about the memory, which is a powerful thing, which transcends time and allows things from the past to be experienced in the present. We remember people after they die so that somehow or another their presence will still be among us. Somehow or another we can still feel somehow connected to them. We eulogize them for this reason. We keep pictures of them for this reason. We keep messages from them for this reason. We do all these things so that we can activate the memory and somehow feel like we're in the presence of these people, somehow still connected with them. We don't want to forget about them. We put up tombstones with their names on it, oftentimes with their pictures, visit the tombstones so that we can feel the same thing. This somehow this connection. We tell stories about them afterwards so that we can remember these stories, call them to our memory, and feel a connection with them again, like they're not lost forever. For 2,000 years, we've been telling the story of one man who has impacted the world forever and has so much impacted the lives of the people around him at the time that they told a story and they told that story so powerfully that it was felt in the memory of all of those that came even after him, that never have met him. That's the story, obviously, of Jesus Christ, who by his teaching, by his words, by his wisdom, by his healings, by his presence and his self-sacrifice, his mercy, all the compassion that he has introduced into the world, all these things so affected the lives of the people around him that they told a story in such a powerful way that we continue telling the story over and over and over again down through the centuries for the last 2,000 years and until he comes again. But it's not just a story that we tell. When we tell stories about one another, we feel like there's somehow still a connection there. With Christ, it's much stronger. This last Thursday was the Feast of the Ascension of Christ. That, uh, the Feast of the Ascension comes 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus because that's historically the way it happened in the Gospel, in the time that he was among us. It's the most underrated feast, in my opinion. It is the most underrated feast day in the church. Unfortunately, if you come to the church on the holy feast of the, resurre- of the ascension of Jesus, there's probably like 20 people at that Thursday Mass because it's a Thursday Mass. And people don't, the church no longer sees it as this huge feast day that it actually is. But it is huge. All the events that led up to the life of, that led to that event are ordered towards it. Jesus dies, suffers and dies, and then he is risen from among the dead by the power of God, and then he ascends into heaven. And that's the climax of it all. 
That's kind of the high point. Jesus, in his humanity, is risen from among the dead, and in his humanity, is taken up into the kingdom of God and sits down at the right hand of God, the right hand of power. In the name of all of humanity, he does this. And as we prepare for our own resurrection, we also prepare for our own ascension, where Jesus from on high will kind of like drag us up with himself. So that is a big feast day. It is a big thing to celebrate. It's a big event in the life of Christ because it means all kinds of things for you and me. What happens to Jesus will happen to us if we are faithful to him. In the Old Testament book of Daniel, the prophet, about 700 or so years before Christ, he has a vision. This is recorded in Daniel chapter 7 if you want to read it. He has a vision where he says, I saw one like, the son of, like a son of man pre being presented to the ancient of days. And I want to kind of break this down a little bit because this is one of the very few chapters in scripture in the Old Testament that's written originally in Aramaic. The rest of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and the New is written in Greek. But a few chapters in Daniel and then a couple other spots in the Old Testament are written in really ancient Aramaic. And the word that's used for the Son of Man being presented to the Ancient of Days, that word translated into English as presented, is really the same word that we use still today in Surah, in Chaldean. Qrao, muqrul gyanih. He and and the, the, this is where this is the root of the word for qurbana. Qurbana is an offering and it's particularly a sacrificial offering, like on an altar to a deity. The Son of Man offers himself in a sacrificial manner to God, the Ancient of Days. And then God gives to him the kingdom which will defeat all the other kingdoms. Later on, the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament says, drawing on the Old Testament liturgy, where the high priest would enter through the Holy of Holies only one time a year, and he would go alone. The Holy of Holies is the innermost part of the temple. The temple is split up into three parts, the nave where the people sit, the holy place, which is where the daily liturgies, the daily sacrifices would happen, and then through the curtains, which were always closed, through the curtains was the Holy of Holies, Qudosh Qudshe, which is where the Ark of the Covenant was and where the presence of God was. It was so holy that nobody was ever allowed to enter in there. It was just there. Except one time a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, where the high priest alone would enter and he would offer sacrifice of animals, the blood of animals, for his own sins and for the sins of the whole nation of Israel one day a year, and only once. The letter to the Hebrews says that, well, obviously this is not going to atone for sins. This is not going to, to save humanity. What is God going to do with the blood of goats and rams and all these things? That's not going to make up for sins. So God took it upon himself. He himself became the lamb that's going to be sacrificed. And he is. He is sacrificed on the cross. His blood is shed, and his blood 
actually does atone for our sins. But he's not done yet. He is the high priest who enters into the real Holy of Holies in heaven through the curtain, which is the clouds, the curtain of the world. Through the curtains, and he enters the Holy of Holies, keeping his wounds. If you remember from the Gospel of John, how Jesus appears to the eleven, and he tells Thomas, put your finger in my hand and your hand in my side. He kept his wounds. He goes up to heaven, to the Holy of Holies in heaven, the presence of God. He offers himself for all of eternity, showing God the Father the wounds that he has carried, the wounds that he has endured on behalf of humanity, so that when God gets angry with us, he sees the wounds of Jesus and he remembers, so that he doesn't wipe us clean. The letter to the Hebrews also says, this ascension, Jesus ascends into heaven, and he presents himself to God for all of eternity on our behalf. This is a one-time sacrifice that Jesus made once for all, but that we participate in on the altar on earth. On the altar, we do what Jesus is doing for all of eternity, presenting himself to God. We, through the ministerial priesthood, through the ordained priesthood, the priest offers the qurbana to God just as Jesus is doing right now in heaven. Just as Jesus in heaven is showing himself to God the Father, we are also showing Jesus to God the Father, and that's what the, the Mass is. We present Jesus' sacrifice and his resurrection to God every single day for the forgiveness of our sins and in remembrance of him. This is why I say we don't just tell the story of Jesus. We continuously and forever live out and celebrate the life of Christ. And that's because he's so impacted the lives of every single one of us that we continue to tell his story and to celebrate it in the liturgy day in and day out for the last 2,000 years and until he comes again. This is a story worth telling. It's a story worth living. It's a story worth uniting our own sto stories with. Because in the liturgy, just like in heaven right now, what Jesus is presenting to God, what Jesus is offering to God, is not only his own sacrifice, but the sacrifice of the whole Christ, Christ and his body, the church, which is you and me. We are all being offered to God if we unite ourselves to him. That's what the liturgy is to do. Today, when you're praying through the liturgy, when you come to receive qurbana, understand exactly what you're doing. You are uniting yourself sacrificially to the sacrificial offering of Jesus, and you, me, the whole church with Christ is being offered to God so that God remembers us, that we keep God, we keep ourselves in God's memory. And then go home and make the story of Jesus your own story. And think about this. We tell the story of Christ for, we have been telling it for 2,000 years, we will tell it until he comes again, and then we will live it definitively for him for eternity in heaven. What about your story? What do they say about Jesus after he died? Read the New Testament. What will people say about you when you die? What will those around you, those with whom you live, what will they say about you when you die? Will you have so much impacted their life 
lives through your own self-sacrifice, through your service, through your love, your charity, through your compassion, through your good teaching and your wisdom, will you so much impact the lives of the people around you that when you die, when you go to God, you will be remembered and stories, good stories will be told about you. Or will it be something else? Will it be a different story that's told? Will it be a story that's forgotten? Unite your story with that of Christ by making your story like that of Christ, brothers and sisters, and we will live forever in the memory of God, in the memory of the church, where we will live with him, not just in memory, but in a memory that comes alive, in a memory that comes so much alive that we rise from the dead with him, and that we are taken up, seated at the right hand of God, forever with him. Amen.